Welcome back to the Nothing to Something podcast. This is the podcast that's been put together as a platform to share real stories from real people showcasing their journeys towards success and all the struggles involved along the way. Now, before we move forward, please click subscribe on whichever platform you're listening on. This will provide you with all the top draw content going forward and keep me pushing to produce it. Now, in this episode, we welcome a true master of high performance, and that's coming from me. This is a man who is a performance coach to many high performers, including athletes, high earners, and young professionals, amongst others. Please welcome to the podcast, Sean Hope of Hope Performance. Sean, welcome to the podcast. Mark, thanks for having me. No, I'm really, really, I say this all the time, mate, but I'm really looking forward to this because I absolutely love what you do. I love it so much so that I do a little bit myself. Um, the coaching, the mentoring, that side of life has been a passion of mine for a long, long time. Kind of going through the discovery of myself and what I want to do and where my passion and purpose lies is kind of all centred and come back to the discovery the empowerment mm. and the development of people. So I'm very, very intrigued to see your thought process. I know what you're doing yeah. is is very similar to what I do. However, you are very highly regarded amongst uh, very successful circles, high performers. So thank you. Yeah, very much looking forward to this. Before we get into it, mate, do you want to just talk through what it is you do, who you are, and yeah, let's go. Yeah, yeah. Thanks, Mark. Appreciate it. I really do. Genuinely like value you get me on this uh, this podcast i've been listening to the other episodes a few people on there who i know um, and I, that brought me onto it and I've, i think i've listened to everyone now nice so i'm excited to be on, on board in terms of what i'm here for i think you and i know each other through i would say i wear three sort of work hats um, and you, you and i know each other through my whole performance coaching and i'll come on to how that came around um, in a little bit but i also wear two other hats so one of those is i'm chairman of a charity um, it's turned into quite a large charity when I first started it was quite small but it's really gathering momentum and I'm also on an assistant principal at a college, a feather education college so I like to keep myself sort of busy but back to that sort of commonality the same thing lies the sort of golden thread through all of those is I just like to help people just want to develop people and, and see people become the best version of, of themselves Really, so, but like I said, I'm here today because of the whole performance coaching. That's how you and I got to know each other, and that started around about three and a half years ago. And it was just helping people out who helping friends out, really, and seeing how I could help them improve. And they they were coming to me for advice, see what I could do to help them around. And then one of my friends who I was helping said, "You should get paid for this." I said, "Come and work with my business." come and support my staff. And it's just sort of snowballed from there to a point now, as you say, I work with some, well, all of them are truly high performers, but in very different fields. Mm-hmm. But that's in the world of business, finance, education, or in some cases in sport with some athletes that I'm very fortunate to work with. Nice one. Nice one. Sounds great. So I, I think coming out the back of this, I'm expecting some penny drops, some some tips and tricks people can take away and sprinkle into their own into their own journeys. Let's start from the very beginning here, Sean. So how did it all start for you? Talk us a little bit through your childhood, upbringing, education and, and journey to current day. 
yeah, uh, brilliant, brilliant, happy childhood. Um, lovely family, um, lovely opportunities. Uh, I'll probably look back now on some sort of key things that happened during there that have shaped me. You never know, dear, at the time, but when you start doing this work, like you and I do, you, you start to reflect back on why you think like you do and why you took the opportunities you have. So one of those key things was um, in, I was around about seven or eight and my dad decided to change his job, which he'd been doing the only thing I knew he was doing as a pipe fitter, to become a business owner. And he'd put his life savings into taking on a bakery business. So how do you go from being a pipe fitter into a bakery business? But he had this, he had this ambition that he wanted to be a business owner. He did really well with that, really well with it. And he scaled that up from a very small bakery business into having multiple shops and wholesalers and so on. And I was around that from, like, say, being seven, eight years old, and seeing, I'll come back to this, I'm sure later on in our conversation, but seeing real, what, what is real hard work. Mm. You know, we think we work hard, go and be a baker when you're up at three, four o'clock in the morning and then working 12, 13, 14 hour days. So I got that, that really sort of shaped my, my childhood, but still managed, despite all of his very, lots of his hard work, a fantastic childhood, lots of brilliant opportunities. But the other sort of thing that shaped my, I guess my childhood was football. I played a lot of football. I was signed by a professional club at the age of 12. And went up to Sunderland, played for them up until I was 16. First uh, faced my first bit of serious rejection and was released at the age of 16. And then elation when three months later I was signed by Coventry City. So I'd gone from being released from a championship club to then being signed by a Premier League club. Coventry were in the Premier League at the time. Shows how old I am. <laughs> um, and, um, <laughs> and then spent three wonderful years down in Coventry, applying my trade, trying to be a footballer. And when you sort of combine those things, they give you real excitement, I guess, but also brilliant opportunities that stand me in good stead now. So that, that was sort of childhood. Education followed with that. I was a relatively good kid at school, not really interested in that much, but good, really interested in PE, probably nothing else. But for education, there's a couple of key points as well. I got good grades from school and then had the opportunity to, to almost do a, a series of different things when I went to Coventry City. So you, back in those days of YT, you um, trainee did one day a week at college. My parents wanted, for two years, my parents wanted me to do a bit more. So I did it for the full three years I was there. And I did some evening and weekend work, which meant I graduated, well, left college with a, a BTEC extended diploma in, in sport. So I had enough then. Yep. I didn't know it at the time to go to university. Mm. So all of these early, these little things that are happening that you don't really know, someone's sort of pushing in the right direction, really shaped what is my future career. And with you, did you end up going to uni or did the football take over by then? So football had taken over. I didn't even know really what uni was at that point. In, when you're in that environment, it's just football, football, football every day. College was a bit of a release, but it was just football. And then I was released by Coventry in the summer, really late on. They were, we've got no money, we can't extend your 
another year. I've been a, a young pro for, for two years. I was released at 19. Came back to Hartlepool, back to the bakery business, working in there. My girlfriend at the time, she's now my wife, uh, applied to university for me. She's looked at my quals and said, you know, you can go. And they, they had a really late application, I think in the August, and I started in the September. Um, and then went off to university, studied sports science for three years. And that gave me then the next sort of ticket to get into. So these little junctions in your life, yeah. don't they? The sort of shape. Yeah. You've, you've been around the block there a little bit, haven't you? You've done the football thing and then still managed to go to uni afterwards. No, yeah, impressive. That was a great experience. Yeah. Great experience, but very different to what I've been used to as a yeah. professional athlete. Um, the questions are popping into my mind already, Sean. So I want to ask about the bakery business and the fact that you mm. talked about the hard work and the work ethic there. Something that mm. resonates massively with myself, um, coming from very humble beginnings myself. Mum and dad worked unbelievably hard. Dad worked at night for years on end. Mum worked days, didn't really see each other, passed like ships in the night. Dad came in, took over, took us to school while mum went to work and then the same thing after school. I don't think I realised at the time quite what was going on until I've looked back now and realised that probably subconsciously it's put that work ethic into us, me and my siblings, and made us realise that we've got to go and get after it and, and the value behind hard work. Did you realise what was going on at the bakery? I know you alluded to the fact there that it's real graft and real hard work compared to what we do now. Did you realise that at the time or was that just a bit of an interesting job to you? Not at the time that young mm. childhood, about eight, nine, ten and so on. I remember there were a few things that where the penny started to drop. So when I was in the Sunderland Academy, mm. I remember I used to get really anxious, I still do now, about being late for anything. And my dad used to, it was Adam, he was going to take me to training. We used to train on a Tuesday, Thursday, Saturday, play the games on a Sunday. And my dad was Adam and he was going to take me every time. But that was really, really tough for him. So, so we started at seven o'clock in Sunderland. He was getting home at half six and we lived half an hour away. So it was tight. It was really, really tight all the time. And I remember just, I resented him a little bit at the time for us being, putting us at risk of being late. But then people would say things about, well, God, your dad works a lot of hours, doesn't he? He puts the graft in, things like this, they would say. And then the penny started to drop. And then I remember when I went to, to Coventry, obviously independence then, no one else around you. And I, I realised I had a work ethic that others didn't. Um, I was doing a lot more than, than anyone else. Sadly for me, and that was a, we can, if you want to talk about that period, it wasn't on the right things. Right. I was too keen to try and be good around the club. I wasn't selfish enough necessarily to be working on myself. Um, so yeah, work ethic was around and it definitely, like you, Mark, it shaped me. Mm. But it wasn't clear at the time. But lots of things aren't. Mm. You get to the don't you later on. And yeah. It's that famous thing as if I knew now what I knew. Sorry, if I knew then what I know now. Yeah, I'm with you. I'm with you. Why, why do you think the, the, the effort was channeled in the, right, the wrong direction? Do you think it's just due to the immaturity at the time and the, the lack of knowledge to know where to direct the level of effort that was going in? Probably the latter, lack of knowledge. I wasn't, I wasn't clear about what it needed, what it needed to be that truly elite level. You know, when you've come through childhood, you've been one of the best in your team, all the time. I mean, I should have said I got released by Sunderland. I was captain of the under 16s, played every game for the under 17s that um, that season. Plays, 
think a dozen games for the under-19s and played a reserve game and then still got released. So it, it was come as a bit of a shock. I was I was doing well. So then when you go to that environment, Coventry City had been to the, the final of the Youth Cup two years running, or, or one of those years was when I got there. It was a very elite team, very, very elite. So it just hadn't moved that level mm. and I wasn't working on the right things. And it was, became a little bit too late. Yeah. So the penny dropped towards the last six to eight months. Mm. But it just penny had dropped a bit too late. And how, how did you find the adjustment after football, Sean? I know that's a very difficult thing. It's, it's probably getting a little bit more pressed now than it used to. Um, something I talked mm. about, a re- another recent guest that we both know in, in Aaron Burns uh, talks mm. about a similar thing. How, how did you find that adjustment afterwards? Was it difficult to come to terms with? Not, not straight away because you still think you're going to. So I was released that summer and went on trial at three clubs. And each of those were like really showing interest. So then you think, that's oh, not going to last long. I'm just going to play at a lower level. Then that didn't come off. But one of them said to me, go and play at X club and we'll come and watch you. So I went to play for them. Again, you think, oh, well, that's it. But then I got a bit sick because I was in and out playing games here and there, not getting full game time. I was used to playing every week. So then I dropped another level, um, probably playing in the maybe seventh tier at the time or something like that, and playing really well. But a 19-year-old playing really well. Then I was made captain, um, 20-year-old, 19, 20-year-old, made captain, and then had clubs come to watch me every week. Still in my my first year at uni then, playing well. And I still, in my head, thought, oh, this could happen. It wasn't really until probably last year at uni where I thought, you're never going to be a footballer. Really thought about it. I never said it to anyone, but never really thought about it. So, so that helped in a way, looking back. So it was a slow process to develop. So it was never really a big bang. Mm. And then by that stage, I suppose you had something else going on in the university development. and Yeah, so there's always something yeah. to direct you, channel your energy towards. Yeah, and at that time, I was getting played, paid good money to play locally, or sort of semi-professionally. So I was on more money then than I was as a pro, young pro. I was getting paid to, um, to play football. I was doing a lot of coaching, sort of sports coaching. I was getting paid good money to do that. Um, developed quite a skill for that at a young age, so then I had lots of hours I could pick up. Um, and then I was doing other little bits and bobs here and there, just trying to earn money, work for my dad and the likes. So I was up. I mean, that year we had a lot of holidays, my mum, girlfriend. So was <laughs> doing reasonably good. well. Yeah, no, good to hear. Yeah. Good to hear. Good to hear. And we talked a little bit about there. You just mentioned there about the uh, the coaching, the sports coaching you were doing. Is coaching always been a thing? You always been someone who's leaned towards supporting others. Yeah, yeah, Taz, you've got there quite early, but yeah, that's the why. I think that's the the bit. That I'm not too sure where it comes from, but I've always been captains of teams. I've always led and done things, whether that's leading warm ups or training sessions or whatever, and then got into sports coaching. So when I was at Coventry, it was voluntary, didn't need to do it, but I would once a week go to the, the School of Excellence and deliver training sessions just off my own back. I was interested in that. And then coaching become a pay, something I could get paid for. Then started to do that quite a lot. That was going to be where I was going to take it. I was thinking about starting my own business then. There's the entrepreneurial bit. Um, so 
it's always been around. It just probably hasn't been refined. Right, I'm with you. I'm with you. And we are coaching now. We've obviously got the successful coaching business going on. Um, you've just mentioned at the start of the podcast there that you've still got other ventures on the go. You've got the charity. You're still mm -hmm. working. You're still at the uh, at college. How's that going? And do you see yourself ever going full-time coaching? Or are you happy with where you are and, and juggling the different facets? Yeah, very, very happy with where I am. Spinning those three plates, wearing those three hats, whatever you want to call it right now. I can't see in the short term that changing. I've got so many ambitions with each of those that I can't say that I would focus just entirely on one at the minute. And it's working. It's manageable it's enjoyable it's um, it's rewarding so i think that for the foreseeable that's how it will stay but ne i'll never say never i've learned that so if an opportunity arises yeah i might need to move quickly um i've got options now no, that's, that's amazing it really is um, i see so many people having been in a coaching position for a number of years now myself through employment as well as, as self-employed um, working in the leisure industry as a gym manager or an area manager within a, within a gym um, business I see a hell of a lot of people who are varying ages who don't know what the passion is, don't know what the purpose is, don't know where they want to go, so for you to sit there and you found three things that you're really enjoying, you're passionate about and you see a future and different goals in the future for all three of those mm. congratulations mate well done, it's, you, Thank you very you're much. doing something right there's obviously you can read books that'll say, bend the boats, go all in on one thing. And I get that, you know, I, I get that because some people are really unhappy in what they're doing and to make that jump is is necessary. It's not like that for me. You know, and I said to you at the start, there's that golden thread that goes through them all. I work in a world where someone physically benefits from that work and for a long, long time. So it's not, I'm not selling something that has no benefit. You know, I've, I've, it's got a genuine benefit on every level. So I love all of that work. It's hard, it would be hard to, to pull away from any of it. Mm. So I'm not saying that, that's right for everyone. Some people might listen to this and they might be really unhappy in their, their role. And it might be going to jump with something else. But I'm in a fortunate position. I love all three of mine. No, I've smashed it. Nice one. Um, right, let's talk a little bit about the brand. So mm -hmm. the performance coaching on Hope Perform, Talk us about exactly what it is, who it's for, who will benefit. Um, yeah. yeah, talk us through the brand. Yeah. Um, simply my name and then performance coaching, isn't it? So in terms of the brand that wasn't really that inventive, you might find <laughs> that's not my uh, forte, but it's it's one of those that does what it says, isn't it? On the 10 really, it's, I deliver performance coaching. But what is performance coaching is often the question that I get asked. Why haven't I put business mentor and or, I don't know, a mindset coach? That These are sort of common things that, that I mentioned. Because, the, again, for a common thread that runs from I will improve people's performance, whatever their background, when they come to work with me. And that's where the commonality is. So that sometimes performance can be about the mindset. Other times it might be around organisational skills. It might be around... Time management, prioritization. It could be, it could be business support, ideas, creativity, whatever. But it's a combination of all of these experiences I've got together. Um, so that that's what it is. And 
uh, I deliver a suite of different sort of offers, if you like. There's the one-to-one coaching, there's group sessions. You came along, Mark, the other week when we delivered sort of a seminar effect there, this whole day training. So there's a wide variety of things that can be done all under that one one banner. Oh, nice one. And who do you think can benefit, mate? I know anybody can benefit, so I'm, I'm putting out there for you to... For you to explain. As a matter of fact, can you talk us through a little bit? If somebody were to come from you off the cuff, who is happy or unhappy in the current role, wants to perform higher as an individual, potentially reach the next level, how how would the feeling out process go? How, how would you start out yes. as, as taking on someone new? Great question. Uh, just happened. So from, from that event, I've started to pick up several new clients now who I, I haven't worked with. So that's been an interesting exploration, if you like, for me, because you asked the question, well, you, you made the point, could anyone benefit? I've had a line of thought for a while. Do you need to be a bit a bit niche? You know, do you need to be performance coaching in a certain sector? Because then you, it's that expert sort of feel, isn't it? I know that sector well enough, so therefore I can develop it. But now I've tri- trialled and worked with people across multiple different sectors, how that approach works is always the same. It's a it's a discussion to see if we are compatible, first of all. I guess the three roles for me means I don't need to do any coaching. I do it because I want to do it. So the benefit there is that it becomes just a, a discussion. Can we both work together? Um, and we, we usually have an introductory conversation, which is let's find out what you're interested in. Why did you come to me? I don't work with people who are just, I need to make more money. I need to do this. I need to understand what's behind them. Always starts whether they realise it or not with a bit of performance profiling. So me understand what they think they need and whether where they think they're currently at with that. Mm-hmm. Always highlighting key strengths, first of all, because we're very quick to, if somebody approaches you in, your, in any of your lines of work, Matt, they'll come and talk to you straight away about all the things they need to do to improve. The danger with that is it's a very negative place to be in. So I always try and start the conversation with what are your key strengths and how we're going to better utilise those. So in that first introduction, introductory call with me, I'll find out what your key strengths are. But then say how we're going to maximise those. Um, I often use the analogy because we're not Lionel Messi using his right foot every game. You know He's a well-class with his left. He's going to use his left all the time. So why wouldn't you use your strengths all the time? Yeah. So yeah, so we have a bit of that chat. Um, writing copious notes at the same time and then looking for where the leverage points are. Once we've got those, we dive in and start coaching on them. I'll start with the positives. I love that. Flip on his head. Oh, that's, that's good. That's good. Um, I well, We've known each other a little bit now through, through various contacts. As I mentioned earlier on, you coach some high-performance young professionals, athletes, mm-hmm. um, various people across varying sectors, as we've talked about earlier on. How does that come about? I know these are high-performance, high-earners. One from mm-hmm. the outside looking at these individuals we're talking about would think that these guys are flying. Yeah. How does that come about? How, how did they end up with you and, and sort of uh, how did that come around? Yeah. Usually through referral. Yeah. Um, yeah. You don't go and approach these people and sell your services. The trust with those people is a, is a big thing. And they get lots of, as I've found, lots of approaches, external approaches. So it's, it's often through a referral. 
it's then through a, building a relationship. So again, probably because I'm coming from a place where I don't need it. There's no desperation from me. We just have a good conversation and see if we, we can get on. Yeah. Then you build that relationship and then you, it's like anything. you've got to prove evidence that it works. So I've got to find something quite quick, a leverage point that will make them come back. But that's like any of us in life, isn't it? You need a small win quite quickly. And then you think, oh, I could do this. And then you keep coming back and keep coming back. So that's often my approach. What can I get in quickly and find a something I can, I can coach quite quickly? They'll see a response. They're then back for more. And then the pressure mounts to make sure you can keep giving them all of that. No, I'm, I'm sure you'll find a way, mate. Uh, from, the, from the few interactions we've had, it's quite clear that you are as humble as you are high performing. That's something that comes across. Thank you. Um, I think it's a huge benefit, the fact that you've just mentioned there a couple of times, you don't need it. You don't have to do it. It's a choice. Mm. Uh, I know a number of coaches, not necessarily performance coaches, whether it be within the leisure industry where I've worked for a very long, long time, where people are driving sales and they need it and they need to close that sale and get that income it's not quite the same. And I think the fact that you mm. don't need it and it's a choice and it's a passion for you really comes across. So congratulations with what you're doing there, mate. Can I just jump in there, Mark? Yeah. Just sort of emphasise that point a little bit because I think we can get caught up in need being monetary. You know, we've, we've been there and had, I need the money in the bank to pay the bills. So therefore I think I need this activity. But it's, it's counterproductive. You spend double the amount of time chasing those people. You spend double the amount of time prepping because they're never happy with something you've offered. And you spend double the amount of time with worry. So the cost per hour is nothing. You're better going for the things that you really want and that work for you. Then the if you if you it's the value is money that you put on it. Your value is even greater anyway because the amount of effort I've put in for the amount of return I get. Mm. is much, much greater mm. than if I'm chasing these people where I know there's going to be challenges throughout the way. So I would always stress to people, it sounds it sounds easy for me sitting here in an unfortunate position, but I would always stress to people, go for the right things rather than those that you think. If you think you need it, it's probably the wrong thing. Nice, I like that. I like that. You've got me thinking on the call there. Um, if someone <laughs> were to come to you and were searching out the coaching service or the performance services, but made it clear, Sean, help me. I want to earn loads of money. What's your response? Mm-hmm. Would you still take them on board? Or would you try to delve a little bit deeper and find a why behind it? Oh, de- delve deeper. I wouldn't. Look, we all want to make money. I'll say, so do I. It's what for? What for? What for? Um, and I dig and dig and dig and dig. You know some of the clients I work with, they're making lots of money. But those who make, just, just make lots of money, and that's all they're interested in, usually last a year or two. And then they lose the drive because the bank balance looks great, but they lose the drive. Um, it's so you've got to find what's behind that. What are you doing it for? What's the money for? What are you buying that house for? What do you want that car for? What you, that type of scenario. So I dig deeper. If I can't find that, then we might say, and we've had, I've had several of these, we'll maybe do two, possibly three sessions. I'll say, I think they're about done. I think we're about to. I can give you some advice there. Fantastic, but I think we're we've probably got our level now. Fair play, fair play. Because a lot of people wouldn't. Let's be honest. A lot of people yeah, wouldn't. Yeah. They'd continue to do the sessions and and take the finance themselves in turn. 
Um, but that little snippet there carries us nicely into my next question. I asked the reason behind the why behind the money, as we just talked about a driver there. What's your why? And I ask this question every time we jump on the podcast because, number one, as I know, this is a trademark of yours, success leads clues. But number two, that's been a huge thing for me coming up, coming from where I've come from and the humble beginnings and coming through the struggles. There's been a hell of a lot of times where I've not felt up to it mentally, physically, been drained. I've had three jobs at times, working 80 plus hours a week. We've been through it all and there's always been that driver that's pushed me through. That for me has been family, has been providing, has been dependence, has been my kids when they came into my life. What's your why? What keeps you pushing forward and, and so hungry in all three of these ventures that you've got going on? You know, it's so, such a simple question, isn't it? But it makes you really, really makes you think. And I know why I choose those three jobs, those three lines of work, because the charity work is certainly not a job. It's because it's helping people. But why do I love to help people is a lot lot more difficult to explain it's probably because of my childhood experiences you know, the, the, the opportunities I got the, the things I seen the influences I had around me so it's probably that but if I'm being honest as well it's probably because that's where I found success and then you you get on that that drip feed of constant positive feedback don't you so I was I was good at something and then I thought, I'm good at this. I'm going to do it more. So when I went in to deliver a coaching session and the kids loved it and the, the guy who owned the company said, you're brilliant at this. I want to go back next week and then next week and next week. So that sort of rolled and evolved. So that's probably lent, led me to where I'm at as well. So why I do it I'm, is a lot more difficult to explain. But why I push myself now to be, to be the best I could possibly be I think it's a little bit of a why not. Like, why not do it? Why Why would I want? My wife says all the time, do you, do you never relax? I think, well, why? <laughs> like, I get a bit bored sitting around doing nothing. So if I've got an option, why wouldn't I do it? Why wouldn't I do it? And why not be positive? Why not be better? Because the alternative to me doesn't seem that appealing. Because probably diff changed throughout time. But why I did it? At times, desperation. But I'd missed out when the transition from uh, teenage life into and university into sort of the work life. We, we had our kids quite young. So we had Gracie when we were, we were 22. And I, because of my extra year of football, I, I was in my last year of uni when we, had, uh, when we got pregnant with Gracie. We had nothing, really. Mm. Very, very little. So all the extra work was... To provide mm. that now a little terrace house, and, mm. but it's changed across time because it's not money now, I'm comfortable now, it's other things. So, long winded way around it, but I think it's changed across time. But what's been constant is the need and, and want to really help people. Love that, love that, selfless, really, really selfless. You. Um, you talked there a little bit about when you when your missus was pregnant and when the family was growing and. The struggles at the time we didn't really have much going through them struggles at times in life do you think they've contributed towards the successful you personally become in the present day oh absolutely absolutely i think of all of them 
released by Sunderland, definitely did. Before being released by Coventry, I had Tommy Achilles and was in a in plaster for six months, living down in. They only gave me two weeks back home in Hartlepool, so I was living down in Coventry for the rest of the time, and it was a depressing time. You know, it was just literally me. I couldn't even go in the treatment room because I was in cast. So I was literally from, I was in um, the dorms at the time, but from the, the bedroom to the gym, bedroom to the gym, that was literally all I could do. So if I look back at that time, that sort of built my resilience up, then released by Coventry, built my resilience up. So I always say I'm a, I'm a life of, that's been punctuated by failure. Mm. <laughs> Lots of little yeah. failures along the way. Yeah, absolutely. Shapes you. But it also gives you the evidence you can. Strength from those struggles. Yeah, if you if somebody had said to me at that time, are oh, you going to be doing this now? I'd have said, not a chance. But then when you look back, so I get these tipping points, don't you? You think they're great experiences for me, and I am where I am now. I've got little sayings that you, well, you've, you've met me, you know, a few of them, but I say to my girls all the time, the best things in life happen on the other side of nerves. So if you're in a period where it feels like you feel anxious, you feel nervous about it, highly likely that if you push through that, you're going to find the best things in life, you know. So that's another one of those, when you face those difficult times, push through. I like that. Those. I like that, for sure. Right, let's um, let's delve a little bit into some takeaways for the listeners. Um, I know we've got okay. some, some listeners, new listeners every time now, but some consistent listeners as well who reach out and contribute and, and ask questions and... Um, take a lot away from the episodes that we put together so far with yourself being a performance coach what are you so we say three non-negotiables for fulfilling potential um yeah go on mate okay. I, i'll leave it to you fantastic okay i think i've got to say at the start it's the term non-negotiable for me i can't enforce anything on anyone I can't make it non-negotiable because if I do, the likelihood is that they're not going to do it. So I'll tell you what mine are for me and I would encourage this in others, but more so I'd encourage them to find their own because that's the key. If, if, you, if you believe in them, you're going to make them happen. But for, but for me, we've touched on it earlier, put the work in. Really, you've got to put the work in. That's the... It's the foundation of anything and it doesn't just mean work hard but so I use the template take action put the work in do it before if, if you're thinking about it do it go do it go put the work in and then decide afterwards whether it's for you don't sit there wait for it all to manifest in your head before all the ducks line up and everything's absolutely perfect go and put the work in and then when you're going to do it make sure that's not putting the work in isn't ever an excuse for your failure. So I, I'm big on that. I'm really, really big on that because I often feel people talk a lot. This living, be careful how far I go with this, but I live in this Instagrammable world where you think you only see the snippets of people, but you don't realise the absolute graft that's gone in mm. behind it. So, so put the work in, really, really. That, that's a non-negotiable for me. I turn up every day turn up and put the work in and take the action that's needed. Uh, important to me in my life, and I'll explain why, but be kind. Be really kind. 
Be kind to yourself, be kind to others. And I don't mean be soft. And for a long part of my life, certainly my work and career, I thought kindness equaled softness. I'd watched previous, loads of them in football, but some of them in, in the world of work as well. I saw leaders who were, use the term, ruthless and strong, but all were unkind. And I thought that was the way I wanted to be. And I remember I wanted to check out at maybe about seven, eight years ago, thinking if that's what it needs to be to get to the top, I don't want to do that. But then I found other examples of brilliant leaders who were kind. Now, what I mean by kindness isn't softness. Mark, if there's something I've got to give you feedback on and I don't, I'm being really unkind to you. Because if I don't give you that feedback, you might not improve. You might not be successful in what you do. You might not get the income that you want. Your kids might not get the benefits that they, they deserve or the experiences that might shape their life. Just because I've been so unkind not to give you feedback. So I'm certainly not soft. I don't shy away from anything. But do it with kindness. I don't ever make feedback as an example. I never, I never make it about the person. I make it about the act. And I do it in a way where I strip the emotion out. Honest, straight, and with kindness. So I'm, I'm, I'm very, very big on that. Be kind. And I'll, it's, it's a little bit smile at people as you see them on the street. Say good mornings. Embrace people as you as you welcome them. It's just a nice way to be, isn't it? Yeah. So that's non-negotiable number two. Yeah, it is. It is, isn't it? And I guess it'd be wrong of me if I didn't say the third one is you are always learning. Always. If I work in education, you know, I should be saying that, but not always educating, but always learning. So let me separate the two. Education is often a formal process we go through. Learning's all day, every day. I'm learning now from this. I'll get feedback from this. Learn all the time. Why wouldn't you? Mm -hmm. And in the world we're in now, you've said it already, but I use the term success leaves clues. Go find them. Everybody's giving you them. Get your YouTube, you know, get the watch list sorted on YouTube. You've got the world's best in anything you do. They're available there. Podcasts, books, audiobooks. So always be learning. Do it every single day. So they're my three. So put the work in, be kind, and always learn. I'd love other people to follow those, but I'm sure they've got their own as well. Love them. Well, love I know them. I do, they've told you. <laughs> no, I love them. Honestly, honestly, it's, in my opinion, totally agree. There are things that everybody should be living by. Certainly are things that everybody should be living by. Uh, just to touch on the last one there as well, we live in an information age. I'd probably say each podcast is absolutely ludicrous. People only use the phone to text, scroll nonsense on social media rather than absorbing content that's going to feed them and empower them and, uh, and push them towards the goals in the future. So, yeah, we're aligned in a lot of that stuff. And I would love that. Should we give your listeners a little, a little hint and tip there then? That they could. So I often find, I come across people who say to me, how do you read so many books or listen to so many audiobooks or podcasts or consume so much information I just habit stack so there'll be something you'll do in your in your day that can be stacked with a, another habit because it's that easy now so and it, it's a very simple one if you're in the car at all just program your phone in your car to play your audio book every time you you jump in the car there's a simple one you walk your dog pop your headphones in the 
you'll wear the same coat, you'll pick the, the leader from the same place, just buy some cheap headphones that you leave there. That mean you've got earphones in as you're walking around with your dog and listen to something else. So just habit stack, find something you're currently doing and stack on top of it a bit of learning. And before you know it, that cumulative effect is, I've gone through books, I've gone through, and yet you know you're getting there when you start repeating some of it back to people. Yeah. starting to make an impact no mega mega and easy so easy if people can implement it so easy yeah so easy oh well, thanks for that sean brilliant and without getting too deep on you now sean are you happy oh yeah extremely happy extremely happy happiest i've ever been um yeah just love life mega absolutely love life so wholesome mate that, that's the that's the exact response i wanted um, yeah. So in all, you know, everything's going well, yeah. All different facets. It's, I know, I know. The no, no. To be honest, Mark, it's it's there's, there are huge challenges and all in everything I do, um, but it doesn't mean I'm not happy. I've come mm. to terms with with that. So I used to chase things. I used to chase the the money. I used to chase the car, the holiday. I used to think that was winning in life, but now I know it's not. I know it's enjoying everything that I've got. It's, that doesn't mean resting. It, it's enjoying everything oh, while still pushing, but also enjoying the challenge, understanding that just having the experience is a great opportunity. But oh, I've got loads of challenges. Now, just briefly, the, the charity that I'm so fortunate to chair, we, we had our annual, annual ball on, on Saturday, Raised 120,000 wow. for, for our charity. Huge, huge event. And it's brilliant to sit there and go, what a success, what a fantastic event. What's in preparing for that, we talked about, we had in, in the small area I live in, we had a, an awful trend of male suicides last year. And our charity stepped in to provide lots of funding and lots of support for that. Well, clearly, I'm doing the charity work, which makes me happy. But I'm not happy I'm doing it for that. Mm. It makes me really, really sad. Mm. But what can I control? I can control our, our influence and what we can do. We've had others now. We, we're paying far too. We, we spend so much of our charity investment into food banks. I shouldn't be doing that. I shouldn't be doing that. So that makes me sad. But I've learned to be. What can I control? I can control my reaction. My reaction is I'm really, really happy as a result. Um, because everything I can control is going well. Control of the controllables, mate. That's mega. And the fact that you've just said that everything is not going swimmingly, well, that doesn't mean you're not happy. That's just, mm. I've had a penny drop there. Because I can yeah. be, it's taken me a long time. I used to be a little bit more hot-tempered, a little bit more emotional, uh, more in control nowadays. But still, it's a, it's a work in progress. It's a work in progress. Things don't always go your way and it's easy to get caught up in the negative emotions or the negative people around you or things that happen on the day-to-day. So that's that's refreshing. That's really refreshing. You, you, just not without jumping into a coaching session, but I always talk about coaching being an A and an R, awareness and responsibility. So you've got that awareness there now. You're talking about what I used to be like and what I'm like now. So that's an awareness. The responsibilities. Sometimes more, but probably equally as difficult, but lots of people don't have that awareness. So we need to show them that. But the responsibility is what can I do about it? Then do it. So back to one of my non-negotiables, do the work, take action. Mm. So for, for you, I know that now. So what am I going to do about it? 
I'm going to change because I know it and, I, and you obviously are but some people don't mm. so I try and turn the mirror on themselves and say alright that's fantastic you know so what are you going to do about it now what are we going to do what are we going to because you only control your reaction you can't control what other people do control your reaction but yeah that's re- those type of things have really sort of helped me and helped me professionally but also helped me personally just enjoy what I'm doing all the time Lovely. Is that deep enough? No, that, that's mate. Great, great. And it has turned into a bit of a coaching session there. I'm like that, taking mm-hmm. notes. I'll be implementing those into my own <laughs> to my own journey. No, that's mint, Sean. Um, just before we move on to the questions that come along each episode, because success mm-hmm. leads clues, one of your mantras. Um, yeah. Just talk us through your charity. That's my last point. So mm-hmm. we touched on it a little bit there. A couple of bits you've contributed towards. What's the actual charity itself and what, what, what was it started through? So the charity, if you can bear me the time, I think it's a, it's a good story. The charity was founded by a friend of mine um, when she won, her and her husband won the Euro Millions, the one big on the Euro Millions. And I'm saying a friend of mine, we hadn't spoken for three years um, and she became a friend when, through again, through, I'm always doing things over and above what I'm guess I'm supposed to be doing but when I was at the college I started doing some work sports development work then that led out to go and work with lots of different clubs in our town supporting them to develop themselves and then I got to meet this lady Frances is her name I got to meet this lady then she wanted to become a teacher so I said yeah of course again going over and above I'll mentor you you can come to my classes I'll come to yours so I supported her for that she was really grateful for that friends as a result then she went and won the lottery and I remember seeing her on BBC News and my phone's ringing and it's my mum saying oh, you've seen that lady's on, on BBC News you know her and then I'm in the car and her name comes through and she was phoning me and she just said I've probably just seen me I've just been on BBC News I've won the lottery I want to start the charity and I cannot, can't think of anyone better than you to to run it for me. So that was humbling, fantastic. Mm. So we started in 2019 with a charity, just the four, like there's four founding members with a very kind donation from, from them. And since then it's grown to I think we've got 11 trustees, or 10 or 11 trustees. We've got staff who work for us now. We've got another um, sort of community company as a result and specifically focused on sport. We've just delivered our second annual fundraising event. And the aim is very similar to what you've probably heard through my wides to improve the lives and life chances of people in our local area. And we do all sorts of things. So you've heard about the food bank, suicide prevention. We've supported athletes to go and compete on the world stage. We've developed um, community programs. We've bought and uh, redeveloped buildings and invested. So we've done a whole host of different things. So it's, it's been one of the, the most fascinating experiences for me. The reason I tell you the story about how we, we started, because it's back to the be kind bit, for the non-negotiables. So when this came around, I remember the, the girls were a little bit younger then, and they, they were saying, why, why are you, Dad? Why are you? So when someone needed me, I was kind. And you never know when that kindness might come back to pay back. It might never come back, but you've still done a good thing. But be kind. 
And I always began that. We say in the house, say it's nice to be nice. And you do those things, and it comes back back to benefit. Yeah, and this is certainly one of those. On indulge me a second, Mark. But on Saturday, I shared a stage with John Barnes. You know, wow. You know, he was our guest, and I shared the stage with him. And I, would, I wouldn't have got that chance, would I? I would never have got a chance like that. But better kindness has got you there. Oh, the world works in mysterious ways. That that's incredible, incredible, mate. Honestly, certainly. No, certainly mega, does. mega. Okay, okay, right. So let's drop on to uh, episodes questions for the matter of success, leaving clues. Um, yeah. First one is talk us through your morning routine. The reason why I say this because we do get a bit of uh, variation across the board, but for the most part, there is some sort of routine in place between high performers. What does your morning look like? It, pretty similar. I, th- I think I need to explain something first, just if I can, before we dive into the morning routine. I probably should have explained a little bit earlier. But I talk about my life in three buckets, not the, th- not the charity, the, the, the college and the, the coaching. I talk it as... Um, health, wealth, and relationships. And my morning routine then is very similar, but usually around those three things or one of those. So I talk about my health, wealth, and relationships. Talk about them like being buckets. So they need to be, ideally, they're all right full to the brim. But sometimes one of them's overflown and others are a bit sparse. So as an example there, my health might be, I like to run, I like to exercise. So my health might be, but me going out at 5.30 every morning might be terrible for my relationship if I did it for 100 days nonstop. So occasionally I might need to stay in bed for a little bit longer, might need to make the breakfast and so on. So my morning routine starts early. It starts usually around about 5.30ish. I'm up and then when I'm up, I'm up and I'm ideally downstairs and trainers on out and run or, or exercise or walk or something on a morning. Do that little bit, gets the mind going, gets me freewheeling. Come in, make, then the kettle goes on. One for me, one for the wife. And then I usually sit and journal. So journaling has been a big part of my um, development over the last certainly over the last five years, maybe slightly longer. That just gets me the chance to shape the day, mm-hmm. put some intention. So talk. I think I might have talked about the event you came along, but start your day with intention. Be clear about what you want, you intend to do that day. And you're more likely to achieve it. So that's German. And then just a bit of quiet time. So usually nothing. I would love to say that I am the Buddha of sort of all of these type of Zen meditation. I'm not. I just have a little bit of quiet time of five to ten minutes of nothing. Yeah. The bird's tweeting if that's out. Just see what comes through the mind at that point. Then I work. I like to, and I used to battle with this, but I like to do one or two things that mean I've started the day. It's probably a little bit of the competitive edge in my bath. It's then, I'm not even at half six yet, and I think I've got ahead of the of anyone else. And I think, I was I was a bit nervous of saying that for years, but if I've wrote that thing, sent that, done that 
tweet, I've done that Instagram post, or whatever, or prepped my lesson, my meeting, or whatever. I think, I think they're still in bed, and I'm ahead of them. So I've done that a little bit more. So I always try and get one or two things. I've let you into a secret there because I haven't told anyone. So I like to get <laughs> I like to get one or two things in quite quickly. And then you've got that. Mention it. You've got that little bit of success on your little pat, pat on the back. Yeah, yeah. Strong start. You're off. You're off. Yeah. Strong start. Then it's up, up, ready. Usually the clothes are all prepped. Things like up, ready, and onto the day. Amazing. If I got stress. Sometimes I change that around depending on where my buckets are at. Yeah. So I, I won't lie to your listeners. Some mornings that full hour will be. It was this morning. I was on. I was working from first thing because I wanted to. It's a new term at college. I wanted a fast start. So I did a lot of work for an hour. Didn't get out and exercise. But I, I know I've got that time. So I've always got that freedom to do what, yeah. I, what I want and need to do. And you're okay with that, Sean? So if you the plans were to go for you run and get you running in the morning and get out of the way, but you ended up doing some work because needs must, and as is life sometimes, doesn't bear on you? You don't get annoyed that you've not got your workout in or things have to move around? No, it, it used to. It used to, but then... That's where I didn't, no one told me the buckets thing, but first challenge in each of them. So I, I had a period where I put all of my time into work. Some might argue I still do that a lot, but no recognition for my health and struggled. So then you, you then realise, well, I need to do something about that. But then I've gone all gone the other way and done too much and then missed out. So I've just learned that if I can balance those buckets at times, then I'm okay. I'll use that time effectively. So yeah, nice. I'm sort of at peace with nice. that. Um, right, on to question two. What percentage of the time are you on it? I want to say on it, I mean contributing towards future goals, whether personal or professional. Hmm. Yeah, all the time, all the time, because remember I'm the three buckets, so I'm either doing health, wealth, or relationships. And my relation, the relationships one's really wide and varied. It could be time with the family, it could be time with friends, it could be time with I don't know, um, mentors, coaches, those type of things. So it's I'm always doing one of those those things because if I'm as some might say, like switching off, probably spending good quality time with the family. Mm. So that's my relationship goal. Yeah, yeah. So, contribute. So all, yeah, so all the time, all the time, uh, 99% of the time, because occasionally I find myself procrastinating and think, what the hell are you doing? And I don't mean I should be going working, but I mean, why are you doing this? Mm. There's no value to yourself. So occasionally I do that. But I'd like to think, yeah, most of the time, nice. one of those three it's, it's great that you've got that level of self-awareness though because I think a lot of people don't, do they? People scrolling through social media, doing absolutely nothing with the time for 40 minutes, an hour at a time um, and it goes mm-hmm. absolutely nowhere. So, no, self-awareness, I always say, is a superpower, being aware. Um, just while we're on that as well, Sean, how do you find how do you find your juggle? So, this is something I ask a lot of high performers. When you've got all this going on, you've got your three facets of your work life going on in the charity, the college, and the performance. You've got your own health and well-being, your fitness, your runs, your family time. Do you struggle to juggle mm-hmm. with it? Um, at times. At times it comes to sort of, there are peak times where it can become really, really challenging. 
how I cope with it is I've got the most amazing wife who's really under, really understanding, but I, better than that because I think you get understanding people who then just let you do your thing. She's understanding but also challenging. So she might say, I don't think it's right for you to to keep doing that. You're gonna mm. make yourself fail or something like that. So she's she's amazing, absolutely amazing for that. And she keeps keeps me right. Um, I've but I also have a few little wit- ways in which I sort of become efficient with my time as well. Try and get as much as I possibly can. So I talk about this. I've talked about this with the real high performers. I know when I can go intense. And I mean, people think they go intense. They do. And then I still see them scrolling and doing their things. And I know I can, at times, shut the door, put the phone away, and go at it for an hour and probably do what other people would do in a day, in an hour. So that helps me. So I know where I can go to. And I need to do it. So that frees up time occasionally. And then I try and be as efficient with... So when I'm in that moment, can I do what I can do in there? So if I'm in a meeting, for example, can I get everything done that I need to do in the time allocated or even better in less than that and go out of there? Mm. So I try and be as efficient when times can. I have a couple of other little things as well. So when I get those peak moments, it's never going to be like that again, I tell myself. So we talked earlier on about the, the ball. I got myself, so last year, the first one, got myself, because I'm the comp, I should say, I'm the compare and the host for the evening. 300 people there. and um, you know, It's quite a big, big affair. I got myself so stressed by it last year. I promised myself I wasn't going to get there this year. Mm. So I just do little things to make it different. So it's back to that mantra, the, sorry, the non-negotiable. Always learn, finish it and go, what could I do differently next time? So there's, a few, there's quite a few things like that. Then I'd probably say, just as a little hint and tip for, for your listeners, use the tools around you. Like my mobile phone is amazing for me. <laughs> Absolutely amazing. My walk to work, a habit, another habit stack, a voice note to people, what I need to do. I can make, I do my charity work often on the half an hour walk to, to work and half an hour walk home. I make my calls at that time. I've done an hour's worth of work. What would I normally do? You know, listen to some music. Brilliant. But I've just saved myself a load of time yep. and a load of stress. So a long way around it, Mark, but I've got like all of these little little things, but it really comes down to really understanding people around you and an attitude that we can either go intense or be efficient with our time. No, love it. Love it. Some some great takeaways there. I think if people are being honest with themselves, the vast majority of people nowadays are spending those half an hour either side scrolling through social media or doing something that's got absolutely no bearing on their life. So some fantastic takeaways there that we can instantly drop into our routines. And then the last one, Sean, is choose three people to sit down to dinner with, dead or alive, past or present, these three people in an aid to make your life going forward as successful as possible. Who would you choose to sit down with? You know, when you sent the, the questions through as prompts, this was the one I struggled with most, really struggled with most, not because there's a there's a vast array of people. It was more, I don't know, I, I feel like you're always learning from people, aren't you? So you and I have had several brief sort of um, 
experiences together. And I've picked bits up, you know, as we go along. So I'm constantly picking things up. So I really, really sort of struggled with this. But I got down to three. I got Malcolm Gladwell. I don't know if you've come across him, the author. I've read every one of his books. And he's not specifically, say, self-help or peasant development book or anything like that. But when you read his books, they're a collection of lots of experiences. And I think, so meeting with him, you're not just getting his experiences, you're getting hundreds and hundreds and hundreds of other experiences because his books are bringing together all of those. So that's quite, I was thinking there, you know, like wish number one is wish for more wishes. <laughs> you know, so I thought if we get Malcolm Gladwell, I'm learning lots there. Um, so I think, think I would love that. I don't know if you've come across him, but in he's passed away, but an absolute legend of the, in my eyes of the personal development game is um, John Wooden. So John Wooden is okay. a legendary basketball coach. Right. Uh, if you don't know Mark and any of your listeners, just go on YouTube, John Wooden. There's many, many things, but there's brilliant interviews with him there. He just talks sense. He just really, really talks sense. If you looked on my Instagram, you'll see that there's a there's a reel there about what he talks about success being, and I just love it. I absolutely love yeah, it. I'll check it out. And I, yeah, go go look at him. There's a brilliant interview he did. It's extended with um, Tony Robbins, who potentially would have been another one on that table with me. Um, it's about an hour, an hour and a half, an hour and 40 minutes. It's just gold dust. Go and listen to that. I think to listen to this guy who would be maybe 110 or something now, maybe what, what, what could you learn from him? Mm. That would be absolutely absolute amazing. So Malcolm Gladwell, John Wooden, and I'm going to sound really, really corny when I do the last one, but uh, my wife, my wife, because I'd love, if I'm getting those experiences, I'd love her to be with her with me. Um, but also, you said to live a successful life. Well, happy wife, happy life, isn't it? So if she's nice. coming along and having, we're having a nice meal and we're doing those things. Yeah. Yeah, but, so the corniness aside, is, she's always been the one that has sort of steered me in the right path. Remember I said she put the application into university for me. She also applied to the college for me. I didn't know. You know, she was just, you need to believe in yourself and do more. Um and she's always the one sort of pushing me up in front of other things. So, yeah, bye. It's a lovely table, that isn't it? I'm glad well, John yeah. Wooden and the wife. No, so I love it. I think it'll be. Love it. Yeah. So, so that, I think that's probably where I've settled on after much, much debate with myself. <laughs> no, love it, mate. Love it. Fantastic. Absolutely amazing. Smashed it. And Thank that you. is about a wrap. Thank you so, so much, honestly, for coming on, mate. Really appreciate it. Uh, I'm a big fan after the few brief interactions we've had. Um, I know you're very highly regarded, as I talked about earlier on, amongst some very high performers. So I'm looking forward to what comes in the future from yourself. I'll certainly be staying close. Just before we wrap it up, Sean, do you want to just tell the listeners where we can find you? Yes, um, my whole performance works probably best on on Instagram. Um, I do a lot of that there. It's Hope Performance was taken, so it's just called Hope Perform. Um, so you can find me on there. Professionally, I'm across um, Twitter, at Sean Hope. Uh, LinkedIn, um, you'll find me, find me across there as well. Um, so yeah, hook up on, on one of those. Uh, see what I do. Give me feedback. You know, I love love a bit of feedback. And then obviously through this lovely podcast as well. So thank you very much, Mark. I, you know, I get get a bit nervy doing things like this. Um, believe it or not. So, 
but I'd really, really appreciate it. It's given me a chance to challenge myself, come up with a comfort zone. I really appreciate it. Thank you. No, thank you, mate. Thank you. And to the listeners listening, if you're ready to level up, get in touch with this guy. He is the man. John. Thank you very much, mate. mate. Cheers. Thank you. Really appreciate it. Thank you.